So it's really good to see everybody. Thank y'all for being here. I don't get to see y'all as much as I used to, but I sure love it when we get together. Um, we're today we're going to continue in our uh, lessons on the life of Christ. Um, we're going to talk about his uh, his first advent, his first coming, and that started. Remember with uh, him being born of a virgin. He uh, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried on the third day, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And right now, today, he's sitting at the right hand of our Father, uh, ruling and reigning. And one day, he will come again to judge the quick and the dead. And that's what we're taught in the Apostles' Creed. I think a lot of y'all say that at your churches. Um, But the Apostles' Creed is... Uh, simply a summary of what the Bible teaches. And so we've been for, I don't know, maybe almost two years now, we've been going through the life of the Christ, his earthly ministry, and we've been doing it through what is known as the harmony of the Gospels. Remember, who remembers what the uh, Gospels are? Gospel, the word Gospel means what? Good news. Good news. Hey, I got some good news for you. So we've been studying the Gospels, and the Gospels are what books? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, of course, the life of Christ. We do see a little peek of it in Acts chapter 1 and 2. So the Gospels, the harmony of the Gospels, learning about Christ. We're studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and when you see this uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're reading the eyewitness accounts of the apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you're, you're reading their eyewitness accounts, and what they're doing is, is they wrote those things down so that we can know Christ. And the reality is, is the whole entire Bible is the gospel, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the good news. So it's not just that we learn about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the first two chapters of Acts. We do. That's where we learn about his earthly ministry. When he came and uh, the Bible says that, that he, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? What does that mean? God is a spirit, but he clothed himself in humanity and walked among us so that we could know who he is. And uh, we'll see a little more of that today as we get deeper into the lesson. But as we're studying the harmony of the Gospels, the last time we were together, the last couple classes we were together, we talked about um, Jesus restoring a man's sight from the blind. And uh, we talked about how there's not only physical blindness where you can't see um, some of us in this room. Matter of fact, almost every one of us in this room are wearing glasses today. Because I do mind reading, right. but I can yeah. Right. So when it comes to reading, you have a blindness, right? right? And when you put on the glasses, what happens? It, it comes into focus. Good. And so the reality is in the same way that we, our physical eyes deteriorate and we lose our sight, in the same way through Adam and through sin, we have lost the ability to see the things of God the in the curse. Right. And so what does God do through his Holy Spirit? By studying of his word. He opens our eyes to be able to see him and understand him better. And and all of the Bible teaches us about Jesus and about him coming and saving us, about our fall, about our rejection of God, and about how Jesus came uh, to seek and to save that which was lost, to come and save his people from their sins. And so... Um, Last time we were together, we talked about that spiritual blindness. Um, and then we also talked about uh, being able to see things spiritually. And if y'all remember, we talked about Peter and his recognition that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? And that is a question that each and every one of us in this room must answer. 
Uh, hopefully and prayerfully, you can say, He is my Lord. He is my Savior. A lot of people say He's the Alpha and the Omega, right. beginning and end. Yeah, the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. He's the one that died on the cross mm-hmm. to save me from my sins. Right. Hopefully we can all say that. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that in order to be able to recognize who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit has to open our eyes to be able to see it. And so, remember, Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Uh, Well done. Uh, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven is the one that revealed this to you. So, in other words, the only way to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, to recognize Jesus as Savior, is for the Spirit of God to open our eyes to be able to see him and to understand him. Now, what is the method that the Spirit of God uses to open our eyes? Well, he does use his power to open our eyes. Remember, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. But today, the method is, actually, for all all of time, salvation comes through hearing, and hearing what? To the Word of God, right? So the Holy Spirit always works through the Word in order to open our eyes to see Him. And so what was Jesus doing? He was saying, Jonah, uh, Peter, you are blessed because God is the one that opened your eyes to be able to recognize that. I think they were the only ones that seen He was the actual, that knew He was the actual God. Now, in the next statement... In the next statement, I remember Peter had just been patted on the head by Jesus saying, you are a blessed man because God has opened your eyes to see these things. In the next statement, this is what Jesus said, now I must go and suffer many things. And remember what did Peter say? No, God, no, no way are you going to go suffer. You're the Messiah. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. So in other words, at one instance, Jesus was patting Peter on the head saying, Blessed are you because God has revealed these things to you. You're a child of God and it's only through open eyes, through the Spirit of God that you can see these things. And then in the next very sentence, what did he say? You've got the devil in you, right? Now, you know, I don't know if I'm I'm not mistaken, but wasn't it Peter that ended up uh, in more ways than one crucifying God because he came up into the crowd and told them that who he was? No. Who was that that deceived God? I know no. one of them did. Ju- Judas sold him out. Yeah, yeah right. Judas sold him out, but Peter didn't. Peter never oh, did. Now, Peter did deny him. Peter denied him three times. Yeah, said he, that's right. Cock denied him yeah. three times. But, yeah. but that was because he was in his flesh, and he was, he was right. scared. Yeah. It's like all of us. We, right. we all... Um, on a daily basis, we deny Christ. Even though we're believers, we do things that are contrary to what God asks us to do. We're right. contrary to God's will for life. And in doing that, we're, we're denying God. And so um, so what we see here in this, this discussion between Jesus and Peter is, is that one second, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. And then in the very, then in the very next sentence what's he doing he's denying that very truth and and remember the jewish people the disciples were thinking that jesus had come to rule and to reign right to rule and to reign and the problem was is that jesus's method of ruling and reigning 
was to die on the cross. Now for me and you, that don't look like ruling and reigning, does no. it? That looks like giving up and dying. Exactly. But the reality is, is that it was God's plan all along for His Son, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that we might know the righteousness of God. But the disciples couldn't see that in the moment. So Jesus was going to the cross to die as a conqueror. But to the disciples and to their natural natural eyes, it looked like He was being conquered. You see, yeah. see, that don't make any sense. No, it's like, wait a minute, he's dying. He come to give us life, and yet he's dying. That don't make sense. Right. But that's because we're trying to understand it through our natural understanding. Mm-hmm. And so with all of that said, the next passage we're going to read is very important for us to realize that concept. That a lot of the things that look good in our eyes are actually despised by God. And a lot of the things that look despised in our eyes are good in God's eyes. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, um, I just I, I just learned today. I, I, I sent a Facebook message out to a, a birthday uh, salutation to a friend of mine who lives in California. And a dear friend, I've loved her all of my life since I've known her since we were teenagers. And I sent her a happy birthday. And then uh, I, I look on her page. She died. What? She had breast cancer and she died. And so it was very saddening to me to hear that news. I didn't even know about it. I literally sent her a happy birthday and said, happy birthday. And in reality, when I go back to her page later on and look, a bunch of her friends are saying, happy heavenly birthday. And I'm going, wait a minute. That, you know, that, that's, it broke my heart to know that a dear friend from high school had died. But, to my natural senses, it's like, well, I've just lost a friend, right? But if I can see things from God's perspective, was it her time to go? According yeah. to God, it, yes. was. it certainly was. Her number was called there was nothing she, to do about She's it. a believer. She yeah, knows God. Christ. She's in heaven. She's not yeah. suffering from best breast cancer anymore. Right. Amen. Not only that, she's with her family and her loved ones that have gone before her. Yeah. And she is not in this cursed, sin-filled world anymore. And she's not in pain anymore. And she's not in pain anymore. And she's also now able to see with a heart and a mind and eyes the things of God without being hindered by our fallen nature. So she understands why she's there. See how that works? And so for us, when we see our family and our loved ones get sick and die... When we see the wars and rumors and wars going on around us, uh, when we see uh, pandemics and pandemics or whatever you want to call them, and you see you see suffering and pain, and you see kids being abused, and you see a world falling apart all around you, yeah. to our natural eyes, that's a horror, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And in reality, it is evil and it is wicked. Yeah. But what we need to understand is, even though God is not the cause of evil and wickedness, He does allow it to happen. And what's going to happen in the end is, all of the wicked things that have ever taken place, God is going to turn them around and use them for our good and His glory. Have you ever thought about that? Every time that you've stood over a a hospital bed and wept and cried over a a loved one who died in your arms, every time that you've been to a funeral... And couldn't understand why, why, why. 
every time, every pain and every tear that you've ever shed in your entire life, on the final day when God makes everything right, you're going to be able to look back on your life and see that everything that happened in your life was for your good and for God's glory. And in our natural minds and in our physical bodies, we cannot grasp that. Well, see, here's the thing. I, I, my main scare about that issue would be I would rather have my kids bury me than be me burying one of my well, kids. Well, certainly so. But it happens both ways, right. doesn't it? Right. It happens both ways. There ain't nothing we can do right. about it, but I would prefer it to be that way. Right. Sure. And we would all have our preferences. But what we need to understand is... God has a plan in place, and that plan is playing out before our very eyes. And the more we see things from his point of view, the more we trust him, the more we allow his spirit and his word to mature us and grow us in our minds, our souls, and our spirits, the more able we are to be able to, to grasp the world that we live in. in the actual yeah. So, so <clears throat> I can't understand it all. Right. You read the book of Job. Job had no idea why all of these things were happening right. to him. Yeah. But the reality was it was for his good and for God's glory in the yeah, end. We get to see that because we saw Job suffering sure. and then we sure. saw his whole life was to tell yep. us about the power of the Lord. Very good. That God is in control and no matter what the devil does, and as God is still in control. Every believer sends him to himself. But when we're in Job's shoes... We want to cry and say, oh, God, why are you doing this to me? You see what I mean? Like, that's natural human nature, is it not? And we all do it. But as we mature in the faith, as we grow in the faith, we learn to trust God with the good and the bad. We just have to learn how to trust him with the good and the bad. And so this next passage that we're going to read is very important for us to understand what Jesus is saying. Let's look together in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. And Ronnie, next time we get together, you're going to do 17 because I have a lot of questions. Yes. All right. So it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. <clears throat> For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Loses his life. Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, I have a question though. It says you were saying soul or life, and to to a new person just hearing this gospel, life and soul means two totally different things. Now I understand that life means life with the Father. Our soul is eternal, whether we're going to heaven or to hell. Our soul is eternal. Right. 
So um, I just think it's better understood to use the word soul. Like when it, when it says, or what shall a man give to read? To return for his soul. Right, but your soul is the source of your life. Like, I mean, it is. Yeah. It's but it's hard for the for the first I, time. But I think there, I, I think that it's almost it's a, it's synonymous. Like, in other words, it's the same thing. Your soul is the essence, your eternal essence, I understand of who you are, that, and your life. But I'm, I'm just and, saying. And so I just so, wanted to put that out there. So, so some people, um, some it's the, people, it's the eternal life. Some people think that we are. Some people believe that humanity is, is triune, like God, and in the in the sense that we that's that's not right to say. They think that we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Some people mm-hmm. think that we are just body, and that our soul and our spirit are the same. It's Aren't the, they? Yeah. Well, you can believe either way you want. It's the, it's still the same thing. Oh gosh, no, I haven't talked to you. Here we now. go. <laughs> But, so your soul is who you, your eternal being, who you are on the inside. Which lives forever, right. which gives right. the ability right. to breathe. Right. And your soul has life. You're, you're alive. Uh-huh. Your soul is the source of your. Well, okay. God is the source okay. of your so life. Okay, now, okay, with spirit, because I'm thinking soul and spirit are the same thing. That's what I thought. That's what I'm telling you. It's synonymous. It means the same thing. Soul and spirit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because then you say the. But some people, some people, some people divide it into three parts. Some right. people say your soul, spirit, and body. Your okay. three parts. Yeah, that's some people. Well, I don't think it's. You can believe either way you want. It's okay. The, your spirit is the part of you that communes with with God. Right. God but your is spirit. spirit you're not and we are spirit. separated from your soul. But but your soul. But 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 you have a you have a natural body, and you you have a soul and a spirit. Soul and spirit can be one, or you can call them soul and spirit. It ain't gonna hurt you either way. Your okay, Lori. Your spirit is the eternal part of you that's gonna go on to be with God when you die. The spirit of the man ascends upward, and the spirit of the animal. And my soul is going to heaven, so is the spirit and soul the same thing? Yes. But you can say either way that's, you want. But that's all. I'm just leave it there and move because on. Because I'll be confused and go like, really? Why, but why would it be confused? Your soul and your spirit, can, you can look at it as two different things or you can look at it as one either but way you want. But if it's two different things separate in each other, they can be separated. The soul and spirit cannot be yeah, separated. So, yeah, so a soul, yeah. Soul like my spirit. body and soul are two different things. Two yeah. separate to things. To me, the body is My flesh. soul is part of my body right okay. now, and, but it can be separated. But so you could say that your spirit, you could say that your spirit is the part of you that holds your soul and body together, if you wanted to do that, and it wouldn't hurt anything in the world. And you know it says that. So when you die, your body goes into the ground, and where does your soul and spirit go? Heaven. Right. But but you don't have to say that they're the same thing because there are times in the Bible where it says your soul, and sometimes it says your spirit. If it was so the same thing, they would just different than your spirit. <laughs> No, but you can say that if you want. I mean, I mean, you you, you can. Well, you can say all kinds. So, so in other words, so in other words, my, my soul is sprite. I'm just saying we can say that. It's something crazy like that. There's people that right. say crazy. Right. Because that. we can say it doesn't mean it's but, true. But in the Bible, when you read the Bible, it uses the word soul and it uses the word spirit. But when I read the word spirit, I'm thinking soul. Soul, and that's fine. Okay. I'm just telling you that there are people that read soul and spirit and think two different things. Okay. They're, they, but it's they're, not. they're both a part of the 
of who you are as a person. It's nothing that's going to differ so much that it'll keep us out of heaven. That's Just exactly like right. Just like the Presbyterians oh, and the Baptists. Uh, that's exactly right. Okay. So, in the <laughs> Bible, on. when you when I you read in the on. Bible, <laughs> so when you read in the Bible, they use the word, the scriptures use the word soul, and the scriptures use the word spirit. If they if if they were exactly the same thing, they would just use spirit or soul and never use the other word. But that's to make it. But they could be the writer. And, and and to keep you, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I'm probably phrasing it wrong. But to keep you reading and to keep to you so interested in what you're. Reading. All right. So we'll um, we'll we'll let our friend down here use gotquestions.com and find out what the difference in soul and spirit uh, no, after I, class. I can't. I can't yeah, after it. class. <laughs> after class. My, my All right. Is, so. If anyone wants to follow after me, he is to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so he says, um, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And when he, his, uh, he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some here standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. All right, so Jesus had just got finished chiding Peter for not being able to understand that his mission was his whole plan was to come and to die to save us from our sins. Mm-hmm. G, uh, Peter couldn't grasp that. Why couldn't he grasp it? Now, because Peter was looking for a Messiah who was going to come in and rule and reign, right? All Jews were. Sure. Well, all of us are too as Christians today, aren't we? We're looking for Jesus to come back and make everything right, aren't we? Same thing. But in the same way, we also want Jesus to just snatch us away from all of our problems and make everything better. And what Jesus is saying with this passage is, you have a cross to bear. You have a cross to bear. Well, and you will until until you uh, are put in the ground. Do you draw your last breath, you will bear that cross. All right. Now, what does that mean? Take up your cross. He said, if you want to be my disciples under my discipline, under my teaching, then you must follow me. And following him requires denying ourselves. So there's there's this constant battle going on in the life of the believer, huh? I have a study note. Okay, please share with us. <laughs> you look so excited. I, I'm thrilled. Take up his cross. Here is Jesus' first mention of the word cross to his disciples. To them it would have evoked a picture of violent, degrading death. He was demanding total commitment from them, from his disciples, even onto physical death, and making this call to full surrender a part of the message they were proclaiming to others. The same call to life or death devotion to Christ is repeated in Mark and in Luke for those who come to Christ with self-renouncing faith. So what is renouncing? Self-renouncing faith, there will be true and eternal life. So we put off our life and take up the cross. But but that's... And so... To us, life is about living. Life is about uh, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, enjoy life, yeah, enjoy the things that God, right? <laughs> enjoy the things that God has given us, and all, all that is a part of life. But 
there is also a part of life that is the reality that we are under a curse. What is the curse? Sin and death. Why are we under the curse of sin and death? Because we're not perfect. We're, we're sinners. That's exactly right. right. But God made a promise all the way back in the garden to Adam and said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. die. The wages of sin is death. Right. All right. And so what did Adam do? Adam turned away from paradise and embraced the first knucklehead. <laughs> embraced the curse instead of embracing right. the promise. Right. And don't we do that all? We all do that. Sure, we're his kids. We That's why we do that. We do that because of him. But the point being is, no, we did. We do that because we're falling in ourselves. We can't blame Adam for it. We, I mean, we are in Adam, but we are his kids. In other words, God's not going to judge me and you. Uh, no. On the final day on what Adam did. I get that, right. but, but we're dealing with <clears throat> sin and everything. Adam, Adam sinned, and he was put out of the garden, yes. out of the perfect, out of the harmony. Right. And because and so, all that happened, we are living. But right. it was all part of the plan. Right. I get that. So he turned away from the blessing, the promise of blessing, and embraced the promise of curse. And we battle that every day. And now we are under that curse. And yet, what are we looking for? Instead, what we want is we want God to just continually what bless us when in reality we are under the curse. Right. And I think it's a great idea when you get up in the morning, when you say your prayers, to ask God to help me glorify Your name today. Help me do that, because I can't just I I naturally don't even think about that as I'm going through my day. I have to ask for help, and it makes me right off the beginning of my day. Conscious of why I'm here. I'm here to glorify God. Although I'm not, you know, I'm not very good at, I mean, I don't like a pastor or anything. And so, what does it look like to glorify God? As I pray and ask God to help me to glorify Him, what He says is to glorify me is to follow me, deny yourself, and take up your cross. So you take up your cross and you follow Christ. Now, what does that mean? It means that we are going to walk the same steps that Christ walked. We are going to, what did Christ do? Christ, uh, although he was eternally blessed, came into the, the world and took the curse upon himself for us so that we could once again know blessing. He overcame temptation, and we sure. face that every right. day. So right. that's and part it, of taking up the cross. It is a, yeah, because the temptation, the temptation is all, temptation is all rooted in a gratifying self. Right. Yeah. That's what temptation is all about. That's what. And it so, what does he tell? Right. So let that go. So, in when when Paul says, "I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I live, that, but Christ that lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." What Paul is saying is, the old man that I used to be in Adam died on the cross. With Jesus. The old man that I used to be died on the cross. Because remember what Paul said. He said, um, He who knew no sin. Who's the one who knew no sin? Jesus. Jesus became sin for us so that we might know the righteousness of God. All right. So in him dying on the cross, what did he die to do? To take away the guilt and the punishment for what? All of our sin. sin. That's what the cross did. 
The cross was God's way of pouring out judgment on sin. And for all of those who are in Christ, for all of those who Christ died to save, all of the redeemed, all of his children, all of his sheep, all of his elect, for all of those that he died to save, that reality is going to come to fruition in our lives. Once we are regenerated, once the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and saves us and seals us, then the desire of a child of God is going to be to walk in the footsteps of Christ. And so what is that going to look like? It's going to look like me denying myself and embracing the, the world around not Not embracing the world around me, but embracing the pain and the suffering that is involved with being a child of Adam. So in Philippians, it talks about how Jesus came down from heaven, who was God, and yet he clothed himself in humanity to embrace the curse for us, to take it for us. He didn't have to do that. But what did he do? He denied himself to show his love for us. And so following Christ will look like that in our lives. It will look like us trusting in the will of the Father and walking in the will of the Father. Now, what is the will of our Father? It's given us in the commandments, isn't it? Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So what does it look like to, to take up my cross? It looks like me dying to my desires. Yes. That's and, a great way to put and it. And me dying to my understanding of... So, in other words, I have this idea of what happiness and a good life looks like. And I, every day I go out and I strive to achieve that. But what happened with Peter and the disciples and their understanding of what a good life looked like? It looked like the Messiah coming and ruling and reigning and setting them up as princes. I'll tell you, though, my idea of a good life before I came to Jesus <coughs> was the same as everybody thinks. you know. That, that, but it, it was impossible to achieve without Jesus. So by putting your life aside, by putting, what, how did you put it? desires, your desires, by setting those aside and trying to fulfill what God desires of us, in there becomes the good life. Yes. and Because you're free of the guilt. Good. And the good life is all, the good life is expressed in us dying to self and living for God. And he takes care of us now. I mean, that is the good life. No matter where he puts you, the happiness in your heart, even if you're living on the street, the happiness in your heart creates a good life. Right. So God takes care of you. So, so remember that all of these disciples are going to die brutal deaths, except for John. Except for John. They're going to die brutal. Like they're going to be spit on. They're going to be beat. They're going to be cursed and mocked. And abused and, that's and killed. That's how much they believed and right. loved Christ. Now, why were they abused, mocked, killed? Because they were believers. Because they were children of God, and they denied themselves and walked in the will of God. And, they, and, they and for me and you, in the world we live in, and and in the modern church today, 
the modern church will teach you that if you do everything God tells you to do and be a good boy, that he'll bless you and your bank account will be full and, and you'll have a, a nice house and, and you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise, right? That's what the church, a lot of the churches teach that, that you can proclaim, claim riches for your life, claim but this. I, I got to say, right? I got to say that you do the Lord's will. He does give you shelter. This may not be a big house, but you're taken care of. Yes, it's not that you're going to be right. healthy, wealthy, and wise, but you're happy in the situation right. that you're in because yeah. he gave you that spirit. Right. But the child of God it does not is not concerned with what he's, with the clothes he's putting on his back. Exactly. Or the shoes he's, he's happy. On his feet, or what's in the refrigerator or how much money's in his right. bank That's account. That's not a big concern. Or what the medical, uh, what the medical report is going to say. Because the child of God has grasped reality that God is in control, and if I deny myself and walk with Him, then He's going to fulfill in me His will, which is the best. And so, I'm not saying that that's my life, because I do worry about the medical reports, and I do worry about how much money I have in my bank account, and I do worry about what kind of food I got in my refrigerator, and I do worry about what tomorrow's going to bring, and, and, you know, I worry about all kinds of things. But that's the old me. The new me trust in him. And so there's this constant battle going on inside of me between am I going to trust yeah, God yeah, or am I going to trust myself? I'm there. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying, nail that old man to the cross I'll and put him do. down. Because he is not going to do anything. You still always feel like i right. got to make sure yeah. I'm okay. i got to make sure they're okay. Right. And so this taking up your cross... Number one, it recognizes that I deserve to be the one hanging on that cross. He who knew no sin became sin for me, for us, so that I might know his righteousness. He didn't deserve to be there. But in love, he came and took not what he deserved, but what his father desired of him. And that's hard for me and you to do because we want what we Deserve. deserve because we have these grandiose ideas that we deserve something. <laughs> yeah. When in reality, what do we deserve? Dust and hell. The grave and death oh. and hell. That's what we as children of Adam deserve. Eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. Not just a kick in the booty. We deserve to be destroyed. <laughs> right? We deserve the same. We we deserve the same that Sodom. Because sometimes right. I pray and I feel like such a wretch because I didn't accomplish what I was supposed to do. Or I didn't. I didn't focus the attention right. on Christ. And hear what you saying? I I I, I didn't. I, 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 right. I, right. And so I feel that way when I pray at night. And so anything, like anything that focuses on I. Is the things that need to be nailed to the cross. So me feeling like a rash because I didn't do enough that day. Yeah, that's pride. That's that's that re- needs to be nailed. It's reverse pride. So I don't have to worry about all that. It's, it's reverse pride. What you didn't do. Well, why don't you focus on what God did? And why don't you focus on what your neighbor did? Because those are the people we're supposed to be focused right. on. Right, and, and making we're supposed sure to be focused you're worried on about our creator. other people, making sure they're okay. That's, yep. that's loving your brother. Yep. Good. And if you spend all of your time loving God and neighbor, then you do die to self. Okay, now you said neighbor. When you Can you define neighbor? Yes. Go. I'm not going to define it now because our, we don't have the time in this class. But go back and read the story of the Good Samaritan. 
Okay. Because that's what that was the very question they they said Jesus said to love your neighbor and they said, Well, who is our neighbor? In other words, who is it that I'm required to love? And then Jesus gave them the story of the Well what they were really wondering is who is it that I don't have to love? <laughs> That's yeah. Really that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Your neighbor, your neighbor. Just a quick brief summary. Oh, your grave, your neighbor is anyone that puts God puts in your life path. Anyone that you confront in your walking life, that's your neighbor. Those okay. are the people around you. And so, I, my my little brother put up something the other day. He quoted uh, Charles Barkley, and Charles Barkley said that that um, that it's through. Uh, jokes and puns and and making light of life that we overcome racism, right? No, the way you overcome racism is recognizing that everybody that is in your eyesight, every man and woman that you meet every day in your life, is another image bearer of God. Okay. We are God's image bearers, and 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 so God created that person, and God put breath in their nose, and Jesus died on the cross to save them. And you need to recognize that if God loves them, then you're required to love them too. And so we are to love God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And self is last. But we flip that on his head. And the, not, not self is last. So love him later. <laughs> so we, so we. We flip that on its head. In the world we live in, right. it's love yourself first. Right. Okay. So you're supposed to be loving your neighbor more than yourself. Love yourself first. Then love either. anybody else around you that's going to love you. Okay. And then <laughs> love God. Then that's the question. Right. Yeah. What you just said, but the Bible states that love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. And don't say love yourself first. No. That's what he's... That's our, our, our natural nature. That's what right. we want. What I'm saying is the world we live in has flipped that on its head. Right. It's about loving self first, then loving anybody around you that's going to love you. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's hard to do. And then, if there's anything left over, love God. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that, 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 having needs okay. are hard to love. So, that's God comes first. Right. So, right. taking up your cross... Looks like dying to this whole world system, dying to self, dying to uh, you and living for God. And so he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. So remember what Peter said, no, Jesus, there's no way you can go to the cross. Right. Right? But in Jesus going to the cross and losing his life, he got saved. He was gaining life for right. all of us. He didn't really so and from God's perspective, from God's plan, from God's providence, the cross was the very way that he would bring blessing back on the world. Mm-hmm. And yet in our human eyes, in our human nature, the cross is n- n- looks nothing like life everlasting. It looks like death everlasting. And so God's ways confound the wise. God's ways are not about self. It's about him. It's about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Right? That's our chief end, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so uh, he says, you want to save your life, you will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. 
whoever loses his life for me. All right. Now we talk about suicide earlier. It doesn't say whoever takes his life will right. find life, because all you're gonna find is death. Right. What he's saying is, is that by dying to self and living for others, for living for God and living for neighbor, by dying to self, that we actually find out what life is really about. Because in our fallen nature, in our natural minds, in our natural understanding, to get us to have. But from God's perspective, giving, when, once you start. So, and what you'll find is, you live your life trying to get, and the more you get, the more empty you'll become. Because life is not about the material things. And yet, we make it about the material things. So, when I live for self, God shows me how empty self is. You see? And so you think about almost every one of us in this room has struggled with some type of chemical addiction, an idolatry addiction, drugs, alcohol. The the alcoholic and the addict are completely living for self. They will walk over family, friends, and and God to get their drugs, to get their high, to get their escape. You see? So what are they doing? They're living for who? themselves and what happens they become the most empty person on the planet empty and sick right but when you learn to live for others live for God and live for others so what how does a what does a person look like who is living for God and others they're giving everything away I'm not talking about empty your bank account what I'm saying is their time is not about them it's about other people think about that just in in your job when you go to your job how many of us, I'm going to read the first read in my hand, groan and, and gripe and complain about our bosses, how we don't get enough money, or how they, they don't treat us right, or, or how, that's part of God's plan. Right, or how much, how much so tired. Joe over there on the other, in the other department is making more money than that's I am, or, or that company over there has got this benefit and we don't have no benefits, right? right? So, no what, right, right. <laughs> And so think about that. When you're doing all of that complaining, who are you focused on? On yourself. You. And that's also called greed on top of that. But what does God command of us to do? To live as light before dark men. Like to 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 turn the other cheek. So so the reality is work is a part of the curse. That's what God told Adam he was gonna do. Right. He said, you are going to sweat all of your life digging in the dirt, yep. knowing that one day you're going to turn into that dirt. You're going right back into that dirt. You're, your life is going to become futile because you're going to labor and toil to provide food for your family, yet knowing that you're just going to die and wind it right back up in the ground. So I had a friend of mine this morning. He's complaining about work. And I, t- I told him, I said, well, I said, he said, I, I don't enjoy it. I said, well, if you enjoyed it, it would be called play and you wouldn't get a paycheck on Friday. <laughs> it's called work for a reason. Yeah. It's toil, it's labor, it sucks. It's more like when the clock goes off in, when the clock goes off in the morning, you want to kick the cat. Or, yeah. You know, and or complain and cry. Right. 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 And 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 I got news for you. As you get older, you get up out of bed and your body hurts. Yeah. You have to go get yeah, take three really ibuprofen right. and a hot shower, yeah. just get rolling in the morning, right? And, and and life is tough. Fifty two. Fifty two. 
You don't look at me. I, I, I can promise you on the inside. I, I feel it. <laughs> feel but neck. but the point of making is this. Life is hard. Yes, it is. And it's going to end in death. But for those who trust in Christ, that's okay. Ooh. I do catch myself looking forward to retirement. I get no time. No, sure. Retired. And what you'll find, and if you talk to people who are retired, you know what they'll tell you. You know what people that retire will tell you. Yeah. I don't know how I ever had time to to do anything. To do anything because even now that I don't work, yeah, my whole Steve life is. He works full. more now than he did when he. Yeah. yeah. But he he's on the board now. I so, get it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life, right? So we go out and we spend all of our hours and all of our time trying to be happy. To find joy, to find peace, to find good things. And it never happens. And it never happens. And it says, or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? So God is the author of life, not this world. Right. And yet most people seek life in what the world has to offer instead of what God has to offer. And when I say most people, do believers fall into that trap too? Yes. Yeah, of course we do. We look to the world to give us the things that only God can. And so what does it look like to take up your cross? It means to die to yourself and live for God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. Now, think about that. Jesus told his disciples that God's will for his life was to go to Jerusalem and to be beat and crushed and killed. And what did Peter say? Oh, no, 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 no. Not you, Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Right. Because you're thinking about yourself, not about God. Exactly. What was God's will for Jesus' life? What was the Father's will for the Son's life? To go and die on that cross so that we could For all men's sin. Right. And himself. what is God's will for us? To take up our crosses and follow him. Right. To die to self and to live for others. Right. That's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Right. He died to self to live for others. And what is that supposed to mean for me and you? We're supposed to take up our crosses and do the same thing. Right. Instead of thinking about ourselves, thinking about others, that could be more desperate in help or desperate need of the help. Yep. So let's finish up with this last little paragraph here. For the Son of Man is going to come with the angels... In the glory of his Father. And when he will, they will record you according to what every man has done. Alright, so think about that. What Jesus is saying is this. We focus on what's happening in 2021. Or we focus on what happened to me in 1986. Some people focus on 9-11. Some people focus on uh, what the news is going to tell me today. Right. When I get, some people are focusing on whether their ball team is going to win the World Series uh, or not. Yep. Some people are focused on their favorite singer, their favorite actor. Some people are focused on their bank account. They're focused on all these different things. And what does Jesus say right here? He says, look, there's coming a day soon when that sky is going to rip open. And Jesus is going to step down and judge the entire world. And there are going to be eternal ramifications for the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. And all of those people that flew that plane into the building at 9-11 will answer for their actions. And all of the people that lied about it will answer for their actions. And all of the people that suffered and died in that will answer for their action. 
and all of the people all around you and all the people, the bankers and the politicians and the sports athletes and the, uh, your, your uh, singing idols and your art friends and your, uh, your, I know your local <laughs> pastor and the deacons and the elders in your churches and your kids and you and me, we will all answer before God for the life right. that we you live. Know, I was uh, checking out Revelation. They said three of the books has been already opened. So, when we think about that, what is Jesus trying to tell us? There is more to life than the present day. There is an eternal, there are eternal ramifications Mm -hmm. to your acts and your thoughts and your words and your feelings. And we need to live based on what God says in eternity and not what man says in the temporal. Right. Right? And so to take up my cross means to die to self and to live for God. And it's the hardest thing in the world. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. It isn't in the world. Yeah, it's the it's impossible without God's help. It's impossible without the Spirit of God living in me. Right. Even with the Spirit of God living in me, there's a constant battle going on. I'm still constantly trying to live for self every day. So I hope that you've enjoyed the the class. I hope that it causes each one of us to think about what we're living for. Are we living for self? Are we living for God in there? Uh, And I I hope that we can uh, find an answer to the soul spirit and 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 soul and spirit thing so maybe somebody when we meet next week you go to gotquestions.com and see what the difference in the soul and the spirit is or is there a difference in the soul and the spirit because we certainly didn't get that answered at the beginning of class but next week we get together we'll try to have that answer uh and the lord didn't have a note on it so we'll close with that Uh, let's pray most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this time together for the wonderful discussion and for the challenging words that you have given us for us to, to stop living for self and to live for you, uh, to recognize what your son Jesus did by coming and dying on that cross so that we could be saved and so that we could have eternal hope. Um, help us to focus on the fact that there is an eternal uh, day coming, an eternal kingdom on the way. And your son will establish it when he comes back uh, to, uh, to, to call us home. And so be with us. Help us to live every day dying to self and living for eternity. Help us to stop uh, living for, for uh, our physical interests, uh, our uh, temporary fixes, and help us to live for the eternal state. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.